You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. I'm Kevin. He is Scott. You might notice that uh, my microphone isn't as crystal clear as normal. That's because I'm traveling this week. I'm in London for some work. And uh, yeah, it's Wednesday evening. Fed a couple beers, not going to lie. Been busy. And we're going to talk about the Maryland game. I don't really want to, if we're being honest, but we kind of have to. So let's do it. Folks, Kevin, we gotta we gotta turn this ship around. The mental health is ebbing right now um, across the pond. Kevin's flaunting his business trips to London and talking about how he's not even excited to talk about MSU football. I'm still here. We're still excited. We're gonna have to get used to this. Are Kevin. you though? All right, this podcast is not Are gonna you? be this emotional sinkhole. Okay, we're gonna have fun, one way or another. It's gonna be a long season, so we might as well get used to it now. We're going to figure out how to have fun on this thing. Um, speaking of fun, Kevin, we're going to kick this thing off with a little a little chatter around a question that came up in our group chat today uh, very recently, and I thought it, it stimulated some really interesting conversations. So if you lost your fantasy football league and your league mates told you your punishment was to eat $50 worth of McDonald's food, A, could you do it? No. B, how do you think it would go? And C, what would your strategy be? Uh, yeah, this was so, so Mike said that he could do this easily. And when you start kind of breaking down what an actual $50 worth of McDonald's looks like at this stage, if you, if you asked me this question when I was 17 years old, easy, no, like not easy, but definitely could do it now though like back then everything was on the dollar menu so you would have had to eat like 50 percent more food back then too (laughs) because every inflation is working in our favor in this scenario no i would i would throw up at least four times because we were kind of breaking down like what the menu would look like and it's i mean we're talking like big mac meal plus like six mcdoubles six mcchickens you know, it's it's just an unfathomable amount of food. I would just stick with like as much of the salad and can I can I count like the apple wedges and stuff? Yeah, like, you can get whatever you want. So I'm I'm just racking up salads and apple wedges. But they're probably then. like thirty cents each. I but mean, the problem is, even the salads there are we're talking like six hundred calories, probably. Yeah, and you got to <laughs> eat all the dressing they give you and. Like I, 
you got to like build your, your foundation, like some drinks, right? You're going to wash it down with drinks and no free refills. I'm, I'm asking for a new cup every time. Yeah. Um, I, that has to count, right? Cause otherwise you get like 99 cents in drinks and then you're screwed. Uh, I don't, yeah. I mean, there's nothing like you'd be begging them to, to like rip you off, but maybe, yeah. maybe that is the strategy. Find the freshest food you can because you know, it will be the least affordable because the only way that they sell you such cheap food is by making it like anti-fresh. Yeah. So you go after whatever. You got to go with the deluxe special, whatever, but no, I, regardless of how I would break it down, I would throw up minimum three times. I just, I don't have that capacity in me to eat large quantities of food anymore. Even with artificial aid, we'll call it. Um, no, there's just, there's no way. Yeah. I mean, you it's hard to spend $50 at McDonald's. It, it truly is. That's a ton of food. Um, I'd, I'd be like, whatever you don't have to microwave, I want to start there because they cook a lot more in their microwave than they let on. Not that they would be advertising that. Um, yeah, I don't know what the strategy would be. The fries are so cheap and like so good that, you know, you get sick of them fast. Yeah. Uh, yeah I think I could do not it. a good strategy with this. I think I would just like, I'd plan a day of work at McDonald's as if it were a 24 hour diner and just like get my breakfast, get a big <laughs> old breakfast, let that sink in, work the morning, get a giant lunch and just like a, do it a full 24 hour stint. At do it in like the, the way that people do like the waffle house challenge. Yeah. Cause you got your league mates sitting outside watching you and they're not going to let you out until they see receipts and they're checking <laughs> under the tongue and they're checking in your pockets. Like you're not walking out to eat all that. No, that that sounds like about as bad of a league punishment as I could think of. And shout out Nico, who couldn't complete the easiest of league challenges from from our league last year. But um, no, there there are some good ones out there. I think I think if we lived in a Waffle House area, that would be a good. I I like the idea of the Waffle House challenge, but um, for those that I don't know, you have to spend a full twenty four hours in the Waffle House without leaving. right or it's or it's the the 24 hours minus however many waffles that you eat like an hour for each waffle right yeah what but would with your the, strategy be there with How the giant waffles you right you, I, I think the the move is right when you get there you knock out three or four at least and then you kind of start pacing it from there and then I, I guess it would be the poor whoever has to clean the bathroom, but you just start slamming coffees with, with the waffles <laughs> at that point. And then just, uh, you kind of knock it out. I... <laughs> you can always take a nap, I guess, to kill some hours and take a break from eating. Uh, yeah, I don't know. All right. Well, um, this that is was where fun. Michigan State football has taken us. This we is how to we're going to get it through this season. We're going to find some fun stuff to talk about. If you have a fun prompt, tweet it to us. We'd love to chat about it. Uh, but we do have a football game this weekend that no matter what he says, Kevin is excited to watch. Uh, I, I, I'm always excited for Michigan State football. I I put out, I, I quote tweeted the the Michigan State football. They always tweet the how to watch, you know, today's in a I quote tweeted it and said, like, do we have to, <laughs> do we have to watch? 
And of course, I got a few responses that were taking me very little. Like, of course, I'm going to watch the game. I've watched every Michigan State game for the last 28 years. Like, <laughs> I, I'm going to support the team. I'm going to watch the games. I, I have a podcast. I have to watch. But even if I didn't, this this team is part of my livelihood. All right. So I'm excited to watch. I I, I love my team. I think the the thing that sucks about this game and we'll get into it more is for people who have listened to this podcast for a while i said a lot of things about maryland this <laughs> season that that i'm really worried are about to come around and bite me in the ass all right so let's wait let's start there so i'm i'm there's a part of my brain that wants to convince the rest of my brain that Minnesota and Washington are like really good and like they're going to win their conferences and it's just like a tough start to the season and it's the the results are inflated because we don't know how good they are but they're going to be good. So Maryland aside from the fact that their offense is completely built to feast on our defense like take our take MSU out of the equation here just look at like Maryland, Minnesota and Washington. How do you think Minnesota, Maryland measures up? to the last two opponents. I I think Minnesota is the best of the three. And then I think Maryland and Washington, I think it's too early to tell. Washington hasn't really had too many challenges in their schedule to this point. If we assume that Michigan State isn't much of a challenge right now, um, and Maryland, the the biggest resume booster they have right now is that they lost a close game to Michigan. So I, I think it's too early to tell with either of those teams, but I think Minnesota is the clear best team of those three. And then, yeah, Washington and, and Maryland are they play a similar style too, which is interesting, but they're, they're kind of in that we'll have to check back in four weeks from now. I'm a little bit worried as I did some research for this game that, that Maryland is like Washington in different clothes and it's in Maryland. So it's going to be a similar atmosphere. Um, They have, Maryland might have more talent at the skill positions than Washington. Um, they always have talent at the skill positions and their, their season always kind of hinges on the strength of their trenches. Um, and that's very much the case this year. Now, the the biggest storyline from a Maryland perspective is that Talia Tagovailoa and Rakim Jarrett, their top wide receiver, are both questionable Talia had a rib problem and an ankle problem coming out of Michigan. They really beat him up. Um, so quick question on that, because the quote from the, the Maryland coach, Mike Loxley was we are, it was, I, I don't have it in front of me, but it was something to the effect of, we're not going to tell you exactly what's going on with the, the injuries here in accordance with the other big 10 coaches who don't, you know, talk about injuries. Like, was that a low key dig at Mel Tucker? Was that, was that a little gamesmanship by, 
uh, by locks? Well, I'll say this. Apparently they're friends, so I don't think it was like any sort of disrespect, but it certainly could be a little tongue in cheek, like right. nod to Mel Tucker and his, and I think Mike Loxley is the kind of guy that would probably like yank Mel Tucker's leg about how serious he is. Cause Mike Loxley, like he's a, he's a player's coach, you know, the yeah. guys love him. He's always got a smile on his face. Like he's a lovable teddy bear kind of coach and Mel Tucker's very serious you know keep a straight face and you know keep things close to the vest so i feel like you get those two like in a room together you get a couple beers down and loxley's just like harassing mel tucker to loosen up so i could very much see him walking back some beers oh yeah that (laughs) i feel like tuck could too but um yeah i think he it very much could be like all right loosen up buddy like it's just college football kind of comment um, but I don't blame him. I mean, honestly, in college football, if they're not mandated like the NFL, like why would why you? would you? So yeah, if if you have any significant players who are injured going into a week, especially, I mean, a quarterback and your top receiver in a passing offense, why would you talk about the injuries? Why would you give the other team any nod as to? which quarterback to prepare for or which wide receiver skill set to prepare for. If I'm not forced to give you real legitimate information about these injuries, I'm not telling you anything. Yeah. Um, If you look at the impact of these guys potentially being out, start with Rakim Jarrett. I don't think it's a death blow to their offense. They love to spread it around. Rakim Jarrett has 15 catches for 208 yards and a touchdown. They have, five other receivers with at least 10 receptions, five other receivers with at least a hundred receiving yards and six other guys with at least one receiving touchdown. So they, they'll have targets to use uh, and Maryland more than maybe anyone in the conference likes to use tons of targets. So that one, neither here nor there, honestly, any receiver we know can, can have a good day against our defense, but Talia Tagovailoa, um, would be a big impact. And Billy Edwards Jr. is their backup. Um, he has 13 pass attempts this year, eight rush attempts for 17 yards. Like, it would be a blow in leadership. It would be a blow in top-end talent, but there would just be a giant question mark as as to how good or bad Billy Edwards Jr. is. Um, and with our defense, and I don't want to get too negative, but I think we've got to be realistic about this. I'm not super confident that we'd shut down a backup quarterback. Uh, so a backup quarterback who in his time this year is nine for 13 with 97 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, not much of a sample size, but that's a pretty darn good line. Spent his freshman year as a redshirt at Wake Forest and transferred to Maryland. He's a redshirt freshman. We all know what transfers from Wake Forest can do. So, I mean, we don't actually know anything about the guy, but uh, something he does to have keep a, an eye on. He does have a movie-worthy backup quarterback name. Oh, I mean, yeah. He... <laughs> Straight out of, uh, like, the Longest Yard or uh, Blue Mountain That's... State or something. That's central casting backup quarterback, Billy Edwards, Jr. (laughs) It's perfect. Um, Yeah. So quarterback is, is something to monitor. Um, But as we look at their offense outside of that, they have a kind of a one, two punch at back Roman Hemby's kind of their open field back. He's a little bit more dynamic, almost 50 carries, almost uh, he's got 340 yards and three 
touchdowns. He also has 100 receiving yards this year, and they've got a bowling ball in Antoine Littleton, who's their short yardage goal line guy. Already has five touchdowns on on 20 carries this year. So certainly, um, as you look up and down this offense, they have weapons. I mentioned earlier their offensive line's always a question mark, um, and it continues to be. But with the mobility of Tungavailoa, if he's healthy, they they can game plan around that. So I think. Again, you look at what Michael Penix did, and he's he's got a little bit of mobility. Tungavailo is a little more mobile than Michael Penix, and um, Talia has certainly the arm talent to go up against Michael Penix and do similar things. So uh, I, I like the comparison you made. They spend a lot of time in 11 personnel, which is really common uh, in college football these days, but so did Washington. So I think if you look at this, it's, it is a similar mold to Washington, and well, we saw what happened there. So it's, it gives you reason to pause as, as you compare that to our defense. Yeah, and, and if you, if you include Jarrett, which again, he's questionable, going to be a game time decision, whatever, but with Jarrett, they went into this season, most people believing that they had three NFL wide receivers with Raheem Jarrett, Dante Demas and Jacob Copeland. Uh, Copeland was a transfer from Florida has legit track speed and Dante Demas and Raheem Jarrett have had a a lot of production at Maryland over the last few years. They might legitimately have three NFL receivers. And so if you include Taulia in there, who so far this year, 75% passer already over 1100 yards. um, This offense seems like one that, Michigan State would not want to play given our struggles in the past game but on top of that this this is the crazy thing with Maryland their top three rushers as far as running backs are all over seven yards a carry that's something you do not see from Maryland teams and I look I know they they played a a bad non-conference schedule like they always do but this also is including playing against Michigan in the big house in their four game sample size. So this is pretty impressive. The numbers that Maryland is putting up and you know what, you know, before we get into like the Michigan state matchups and, and our side of this thing, the thing that worries me the most about this Maryland team, because of, again, what I, I've talked about all off season and I talk about basically every off season because Maryland has always been the same carbon copy team every single year under Loxley where they beat the bad teams, they lose to the good teams, whatever. If you watched that Michigan game last year, that was not a Maryland Terrapins performance. They, what the, the opening kickoff went off the guy's face mask. They give the ball up. They, are returning the opening kickoff and are losing seven to nothing three seconds into the game. A normal Maryland team folds and loses that game 49 to three. They rallied. They scored on their next three possessions. I, I'm just saying this, this Maryland team does not look like the Maryland teams of old. And that's coming from probably the biggest Maryland hater out there. Just, you know, from what I've said about them, I, I think the identity of Maryland football, I'm not going to make as grandiose statements about, you know, the, the change in culture or whatever, but 
that was, you know, for as much as there's like a, well, your biggest resume booster is a loss, which that's where we stand right now with Maryland. But the way that they kept fighting in that game, in a game that in the last few years they would have given up, they would have folded at halftime, they would have lost that game by 40 plus points. They kept fighting. They came back. They they took a lead. They they made plays, and that's just something we haven't really seen out of Maryland. And if if Maryland is going to be a legit fighter, a legit dog, in that sense, then we've always known that they have talent. Um, so, you know, we'll get again. We'll get into the Michigan State side of this, but that aspect of Maryland is really interesting. So focusing, speaking of Michigan State and focusing on Maryland's offense here, you look at MSU's defense, right? And last year and this year, we were playing limit the big plays and we struggled to get off the field. And that led to long drives that led to scores. And it's only exacerbated this season. So I'm curious if you're Scotty Hazleton and Mel Tucker and you've got the pieces that you've got, right? There's no, (laughs) there's no transfers coming in to save the day this is what you've got um you know if you sit back they're gonna plug their way down the field enough teams have put that on tape that everyone else is gonna do it now if we're letting them so if you're scotty hazelton do you start to take more risks do you try to create chaos do you blitz more do you i mean i don't even want to say go to like cover one man or anything because we know we can't do man coverage either but do you take more risks that leave you susceptible to big plays and risk giving up like big quick scores in exchange for trying to cause chaos for trying to create turnovers for trying to create more negative plays like at what point do you say if we sit back we're just it's death by a thousand cuts or do you just try to continue to play that consistency game and wait for them to to make a mistake no, I've been begging for them to do something. I mean, you have to at least try to force some turnovers, try to to mix it up. And, you know, the other side of that, too, is you can blitz one play and then drop eight the next play and then blitz the next play and then drop seven the next play. Like, just try to keep them guessing, keep them on their toes, do something to kind of mix this thing up. Because it feels like every play we just line up and do the same thing and defenses know exactly what we're going to do. And that just makes it all the more frustrating. Just just keep doing different stuff, even if your guys don't even know it at this point. Like yeah. I don't care. Just try. Yeah, I was watching the Lions and I know that's pro football and it's a different scheme and it's different players and whatever. But the Lions, by all accounts, don't have a very good defense this year or they weren't expected to. I think they've. I don't know if they've exceeded expectations, but they don't have a good defense. (laughs) And there have been multiple occasions so far this year where it's been third and medium and enough to be a a likely passing down. You know, it's not third and two, but um, third and eight, third and 10. They just put eight guys on the line of scrimmage and sometimes they just send all of them. And it has worked at times and it rarely hasn't worked actually because it just blows up the timing so badly and it frazzles the the opposing quarterback enough to just blow up the play. And, like, we don't see that at all 
with MSU right now. Like they at most they're blitzing six and leaving five guys in man coverage. And it's like at a certain point, you just got to pick the least likely guy to get it like the, to be the first read and just send that defender. Just make it happen. Just send more guys than they have to block. Well, you know what we did once last game, and I wrote this down, was we blitzed a nickel. And we've had some success with that over the last couple of years. But the way that this one went down was the most frustrating thing to sit there and watch because you knew exactly what was going to happen. The nickel, you know, he's starting to creep towards the line of scrimmage. He's starting to creep over because he feels the snap is coming, right? And then the offense checks out the whole, you know, you, they do the whole thing where the whole offense turns towards the sideline to look for the play, right? Quarterback, the whole offensive line, they all look over to the sideline. So very clearly they make an adjustment. That nickelback who was about to blitz, he backs up to his wide receiver and then does the same thing again. He starts creeping in towards the line of scrimmage. And then obviously he blitzes. And Tanner Morgan literally took a half a second. He looked, he was like, he's actually blitzing. And then just threw the slant right to that area. And they gained like 15 yards. And it was like, okay, I love the idea of let's blitz the nickel. But very obviously in this situation, they knew we were blitzing the nickel because we made it obvious to even me sitting on my couch that we were going to blitz the nickel and gave them 12 seconds to adjust their play based on us blitzing that nickel. Like, let's be smarter about this, guys. Come on. Yeah, at this point with the defense, like, I'm done saying, like, we should run this scheme or we should try that. Like, we've tried pretty much every base coverage scheme, and it doesn't work. Um, At this point, just be unpredictable, cause chaos, and live or die, like, whatever. If they score quickly fine it's just delaying the inevitable at this point if we just play back and you know play passive defense so just make something happen that's all i ask i'm out of ideas i'm out of pointed suggestions not that anyone's listening anyway um from the program but yeah just let them be aggressive because then you see moments like that washington game where we had two goal line stops when the players can stop thinking and just get to be aggressive because they don't, they're not like when you're on the goal line, you're not worried about getting beat over the top. You just want to get in the backfield, cause chaos, and make a play. And lo and behold, we have the talent to get goal line stops because they're not thinking, they're just acting. But this defense, it thinks so much and they're always in the wrong place. They're always two steps behind because they're just thinking. And it's clear half the guys on the field don't really know what's supposed to be going on or they're just not talented enough to do what they're being asked to. Just do something to get them off guard. Um, And speaking of thinking, Scott, when I think about the point spread for this game and Michigan state being seven and a half point dogs against Maryland, it's disgusting, but friends of DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. uh, They have a new promotion where new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets. If they do, that's not enough. Everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100% with payouts bigger than ever. Why bet on football anywhere else? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member. 
to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TPPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And as I am walking around London this week, I'm listening to London Calling by The Clash like over and over again with my Raycon wireless earbuds. They look, feel, and sound better than ever with optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit. They have eight hours of playtime, 32 hours of battery life. They will not budge, and they are half the price of other premium audio brands. They have over 50,000 five-star reviews. They have three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, and awareness mode. Go to buyraycon.com today. Use code TPPN15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's code TPPN15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off buyraycon.com. Code TPPN15. All right, let's let's find an optimism train here, Scott. If there Talk is one the thing, if there's one thing that makes you think Michigan State's going to win this game because, what is it? Maryland has given up a lot of yards this year. They've given up 450-plus yards in two straight games against SMU and Michigan. They gave up 370 passing yards to SMU and 151 rushing yards. They gave up 220 passing yards on 26 attempts and 243 rushing yards on 40 attempts against Michigan. Uh, they give up yards, and uh, they also turn the ball over, but I'm, I'm going to focus on the fact that their defense is not elite. Their offense might be. And so it keeps them in games, but their defense um, has struggled, especially the last couple of weeks against the only teams with a pulse that they've played so far. Yeah. Blake Corum went for what, 250 and two touchdowns or something. Yeah. They had, yeah, 40 rushes, 243 yards for 6.2 average and two touchdowns on the ground uh, in the big house against Maryland last week. So um, if there's a game to get the running game going, it has arrived. Yeah, and, and Jalen Berger, we know, has been dealing with some issues. He's been banged up. Um, he played last week. He he looked actually decent in some of the reps that he had, but hopefully another week of working on his body a little bit, he can get back to full health. Jarek Broussard hasn't really made the impact, I think, is safe to say, that, that we kind of expected in the offseason. We all kind of expected him, former Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year, to be the 1A in this group, and turned out that Jalen Berger was actually the 1A in this group until he started getting banged up, and Broussard has just kind of struggled to find his way a little bit. So if there is a game in the upcoming schedule here to get the run game going, this is probably the one, whether it is Berger or Broussard or Collins or you know, whoever comes in to take carries. We know that Jay Johnson wants to establish the run. He is stubbornly, actively trying to establish the run. And so it's for everybody that thinks, you know, let's just start lighting it up with Peyton Thorne, dropping back on first and 10 and early in the game. That's probably just not going to happen. All right, so we're going to have to start churning out some yards on the ground, and 
maybe this is the game to get that going. Yeah, especially on the road. They're going to want to take the crowd out with long drives. And if you're an offensive, if you're wondering, like, why do offensive coordinators so stubbornly love to establish the run, whatever that means, it's because when you're an offensive coordinator, consistently calling plays on second and four through second and seven is a lot easier than calling plays on a regular basis at second and 10. So they want their playbook open on second and third down. They want to have all their plays at their disposal. And that means running the ball well on first down. And that's what we're trying to do. And the last thing, again, just like Washington, the last thing we can afford right now is Peyton Thornton going in there and struggling early in the game. And he's a leader. And when your leaders don't do well early, the rest of the team follows suit. So, and, and the complimentary football thing is real. There's a reason every football coach in the history of mankind preaches complimentary football. When you're going three and out because of a couple incompletions and putting the defense right back out on the field, that's a really tough position to put your defense in. And I'm, I'm not trying to make excuses for our defense, which I truly believe is playing dreadful football right now. But there is an aspect of you're on the field for 49 minutes of game time. That makes it a lot more difficult to play good defense. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason Peyton Thorne had one of the best passing years in Michigan State history the same year we had Kenneth Walker. And there's a reason Jeremy Langford had one of the underrated best seasons ever by a running back in 2014 in Connor Cook's senior year. Uh, When you have good players on both sides of the offense, both phases of the offense, they open things up for each other. And people like it. Sometimes people talk about like, Oh, is Kenneth Walker. The only reason we were good last year. And you're like, how can one running back who touches the ball on half the plays really make that big of a difference? It's not because like Kenneth Walker himself is making that much more happen. It's because the defense has to think about so much more and they change their alignments and they change how they're approaching the offense, which opens up things in the rest of the field. So Right now, our whole team is lacking in identity, right? We don't really have a strength. I mean, what run defense we thought was, but that's been iffy on the offense. Like what you look at run defense, run off, run defense, pass defense, run offense, and passing offense, Kevin, like where is, what are we building on? Where's the strength of this team? The strength is the passing offense. The problem is it it hasn't proven to be the strength, right? Like if you look at the pieces on paper and you see Peyton Thorne, Jaden Reed, Keon Coleman, Trey Mosley, of course that's the strength of the team. But they haven't proven that. And part of it might be because we don't have a run game. Like the, the analytics people will tell you you don't need a good run game to be effective on play action. And that's true. But when you do have an effective run game, that's when your play action is deadly, right? If, if you don't have a run game, you can gain five to 15 yards on a play action bootleg because it's just, you're going to have linebackers and safety looking in the backfield when you run play action. And that's going to take them a fraction of a second where 
somebody can get open. And if your offensive line can block it, then you're going to be fine. But if you have a deadly run game like we did last year, that's when your play action goes from like, all right, we can get a nice 12-yard chunk play on this bootleg to this could be a 75-yard touchdown because the safety is terrified of number nine in the backfield. So I, I, Peyton Thorne, you look at the stats the last two years, his numbers on play action are insane. And his numbers without play action are pedestrian. We need to get the run game going. Yeah, without a really a run game last week, you look at 14 rushes for 38 yards. God, that looks way worse than I remember it. <laughs> um, no run game last week, and Peyton Thorne went, I mean, to his credit, he passed 71%, but for 132 yards, 1.8 adjusted yards per attempt and two interceptions, no touchdowns. So, I mean, at this point, like, this team is very much still searching for an identity. It's searching for anything to hang its hat on. Um, and with with the opponent that we have, I think you have to start with the, the running game on offense. Um, yeah. And the last thing here, so I, I think there needs to be a quick discussion on just the implications of this game. We touched on it last week, but or on, on Monday, but when you look ahead at the rest of this Big Ten slate, we're into conference play. We're one game into conference play. All right, so for the, the very negative people out there, we have an entire season of Big Ten football still to play. There's plenty of time to make changes, make adjustments, win some games. But on the flip side of that, we're 2-2, two and two, and we're entering the toughest part of our schedule. We're entering conference play. And Maryland, by all accounts, is one of the two or three most winnable games on the schedule. So you look at especially this stretch coming up, where you play Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan, you you can't really afford to drop this game and still believe that you're going to win seven, eight, nine games and kind of meet the expectations, right? The, the Vegas win total is seven and a half. If you don't win this game, there is no way you're going over that total. No way. And so... The implications, the impact of this game are are massive. Yeah. Um, seven and a half point underdogs. The last I checked, I don't know if that's moved at all. That's what it opened at. I think it's uh, eight. I'm pretty sure it got up to eight. It's big time road dogs. Um, if there's a time to circle the wagon and shut out the noise, I guess it's yep. a trip to Maryland. But yeah, I mean, you look at this and, and we've talked about this like, at this point, my barometer for this season is make a bowl. Like you make a bowl with where we're at now, I'll call it a success and move on. Um, you don't make a bowl. Obviously it's a disappointment. Um, I don't care about context going from 11 wins to five yeah. or less wins is a disaster. And um, just, just in a vacuum, right? Third season head coach doesn't make a bowl game. Not a good place to be. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's tough because you, you you hear that and you're like, if they don't turn it around now, like they you hear that and you're like, 
they need to turn it around now. They need to find ways to play winning football this week. And then you look at the last couple of weeks and you're like, I have, I have no idea where that's going to come from, but we're not getting paid to solve it. Uh, so it's really easy for us to sit here and talk about it. And I have a lot of empathy for the, the fact that it's, it, it's their job and that's a tough job. And uh, there might not be any easy solutions right now, but Hey, at a certain point, I stopped feeling bad for guys making millions of dollars to coach football, right. like put, put a winning product on the field. Well, and I think there's a lot of fans I've seen on Twitter and stuff who just support and believe without any hesitation. You know, we go into whatever game it is against whoever it is, and we're going to win this game. And I respect those people, but I, I can't find football reasons from what we have seen on the field from this team and knowing what we know through four games about this team and how we are currently constructed to believe that we're going to go out there and win. It's, it's blind hope. It's, it really is. It's blind hope in the we're backs against the wall and we trust our head coach and we trust the leaders on the team to get us out of it. I, I really don't know how you can watch the first four games and and from an, a football analysis perspective, and this isn't just about the Maryland game, but this is about kind of this upcoming stretch of Big Ten play. Say like we're going to win eight games, we're going to you know meet that Vegas win total. It's just blind hope, and that's what fans are for, right? Where it's short for fanatic for a reason. Blind hope is is part of the that's part of the sign up entry point, but it's just it's tough, man. It's tough. yeah. I mean, if you're in the program, like we have the luxury of looking at the whole schedule and talking about it all. Like if you're in that program, there is not a universe outside of this week. Like no, the it's next, a one week season. The next three days, depending on when you're listening to this, is the is the whole universe, the whole calendar. The calendar ends on Saturday. Yep. Uh, you just got to beat Maryland, and that's what it comes to. Because if you're thinking about Ohio State and you're thinking about Wisconsin and you're thinking about Michigan, you're toast. Yep. There's no way you're going to keep a level positive mindset with that looming with the results you've had. Maryland is your, it's your Super Bowl right now. So, you know, you you think back at the D'Antonio era, and I hate to be all nostalgic, but like he always knew how to get the guys up when he needed to, and it never got this bleak uh, in the later years. You know, I mean, I, I don't really remember what 2007 felt like, uh, but you got to channel that somehow and you got to figure out how to just get the guys to throw those results, you know, water under the bridge. And, and I think you got to come out with a pretty exotic game plan and just hope you hit a bullseye with it. Yeah. I mean, I think if, if you're the coaches this week, this is where you might start just looking at Peyton Thorne in the film room and just be like, all right, Peyton, give me a couple plays this week. Like, what what do you like? And and looking at the defense and saying, all right, I know the defense had their players only meeting, right? And I I, I would love for Scotty Hazelton to go into whatever defensive meeting on Thursday of this week. And just say like, all right, guys, what do, what do you guys think? Should we blitz more? Should we be playing more of this coverage? Like, 
attached. Yeah. Ask them when We're they all feel this together. When do you they know? feel confident? When do they feel most confident? Exactly. Because there's such a lack of confidence. Just put them on the field feeling like what they're being asked to do is within their capabilities and just let them try to do whatever that is. Right. If if you're Scotty Hazleton right now, and from everything you've seen in practice through six months or whatever, tells you that your team sucks in man coverage. But you go into the film room on Thursday and you say, all right, guys, what what do we like? What do we, What makes you guys feel like you are ready to play? And your DBs and your linebackers say, you know what, coach? Like, we feel really comfortable in man coverage. Just do it. I, I just need confidence at this point. I, I don't need any analytical reason that we should be or shouldn't be. Just whatever makes the players feel the most confident, let's roll it out there. If that's flea flickers and triple reverse passes and fake punts and nine-man blitzes, I don't care. Just do it. Yeah, momentum's a, a thing, you know, not just in a game, but week to week. Uh, confidence and momentum have a big impact and having fun too, right? When you exactly. get in a stretch like this, and players stop having fun, you can see the opposite. When players aren't having fun and you see that spark, and then all of a sudden they reel off five straight good successful plays, and you're like, where has this been? We forget sometimes that half of these starters are 19 years old. Yeah. These aren't NFL 28-year-old fully grown men who are prepared to execute their game plan to you know, succinct perfection. These are 19-year-old kids who, when they're having fun, they're more confident and they play better. And the opponents are 19, too. And they're right. coming into the game, they're going to feel great, and you got to get them, knock them off their stride, and good things can happen when you get kids that age rattled. Yeah. So we're going to try to keep doing the same thing on the podcast. Win or lose, we might have to come with, up with some creative ways to have fun. But uh, we'll keep trying. So stick with yeah. us this season. Kevin, you got anything else on this one? Um, not really. I mean, the good news is there aren't too many less daunting road trips in the Big Ten than to College Park. Um, so as far as like a home crowd compared relative to the rest of the Big Ten, this is a pretty mild one. So, you know, when you're looking at, oh, Maryland on the road. All right. All right. All right, That's let's it. leave it at that. Road dogs, time to get it done. Yeah, so until uh, Friday, you'll get the picks from us. Um, we'll we'll try to schedule this out as best as we can. Uh, travel plans sometimes impact this stuff. But uh, yeah, until then, hope everybody has a nice uh, end of your hump day or beginning of your Thursday or whenever you're listening to this. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Till then, go green. Go white. Take care, folks.